Well, good morning again, and good morning to those watching online. We are glad that you've tuned in, and we recognize that some of you are not able to come to the uh, building yet, and we're grateful that you tune in Sunday after Sunday. I, I really believe you're just as much a part of the church as those that are sitting in the building, so thank you for being so faithful every Sunday and tuning in. Have you all had a good week this week? Talk to me a little bit this one. I have. Thank you for asking. I've had a wonderful week this week because this week on Wednesday, the world's greatest grandbaby was born. Sawyer. Now you said, wait a minute, what about Lily? Lily got promoted to world's greatest grandchild. Uh, she's three and a half now, but uh, Sawyer born to Brett and to Lauren uh, this past Wednesday. Cutest little guy. I got plenty of pictures. We'll show you after the service if you'd, if you'd like to see those. Hey, I don't know if you've ever seen this game, if you've ever played this little game called This or That. We're going to do that this morning, and I want you to respond. And those that are watching online, I want you to respond right there in your living room or wherever you're watching. Just give your answers out loud, even if you're the only one in the room, or maybe there's two or three of you watching together, but here in the building as well, I want you to respond. This or That. It's a good conversation starter, kind of a little game that you can play with others. It helps you get to know people. And it's kind of fun. Basically, the, the idea behind this or that is that you have two choices, and you have to choose which of those two items you prefer. It's nothing hard, and it's not anything you debate. It's just well, this or that, okay? So here, I'm going to give you the two choices, and I want you to say out loud just your answer, okay? This is not hard. I promise you, you can do it. So, for example, dog or cat? Exactly. I mean, is that even a real question, right? <laughs> And number two, pancakes or waffles? Yeah, waffles. Some of you said pancakes, but that's okay. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. Uh, tea or coffee? Ah, pretty divided there, okay. Vanilla or chocolate? Yeah, of course. Couch or recliner? Recliner, come on. All right, this is the hard one. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, man, I, you did that on purpose. I know you did. If you've ever had to choose between two things, sometimes those choices can be very difficult, especially when there's a lot hanging in the balance. Now, whether you're choosing couch recliner, it's not a really big decision. Choosing pancakes or waffles, that's not a really big decision, but... Sometimes we're faced with really big decisions, and it's a very hard choice because of what hangs in the balance. There is a this or that story in the Bible. Elijah, the prophet of God, placed a clear choice before the people of God, and a lot was hanging in the balance. And the story is told to us in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you'd open God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're in this summer series called Days of Elijah, and today we come to probably the most prominent passage regarding Elijah in all the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to be looking at this both today and next Sunday as well, Lord willing. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, after a long time, in the third year, that is the third year of the drought, the third year of the famine, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. 
So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And notice the second half of verse 2. Now the famine was what? The famine was severe. Don't forget that. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Skip down to verse 17. Elijah goes to meet Ahab, and here's, we pick up the story, and here's what we read beginning in verse 17. When he saw Elijah, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab left no doubt how he felt about Elijah. He believed that Elijah was the reason for all of the trouble in the land. He believed that the reason there was a three-year drought was because Elijah had declared that there would be a drought, and it was all Elijah's fault. In fact, when you read other places in in chapter 18, it's very evident that they've been looking for Elijah for a long time. He sent people out everywhere looking for Elijah because he hated him, and he wanted to rid the world of him. And so he said, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Elijah responds to verse 18, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now there's two words that I want you to underline in your Bible in in that verse, in verse 18. The word abandoned and the word followed. Look at the text again in verse 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned, there's the first word, you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. I want you to pray with me. Father, I recognize that this is a very difficult text in many ways because it really calls us to make a clear choice. It really puts before us this or that. And I don't want to stand here in the power of Keith. I want to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. I pray you would speak your word clearly and undeniably today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Look at that word abandoned there in verse 18. It says, you have abandoned the Lord's commands. The word abandoned, sometimes it's, for, it's uh, translated forsake or forsaken in other translations. It means to leave behind, to neglect, or to desert. Hear that again. Abandon. You have abandoned the Lord's commands. You have left them behind. You have deserted the Lord's commands. And we're familiar with abandoned houses or abandoned buildings. There is one over an abandoned house over on Brushy Creek Road. And I see it from time to time as I'm driving to Easley. And it really bothers me to see this house that was once useful. This house that was once very nice. This house now, the weeds have grown up all over the yard. And the bushes in the front of the house have grown to the top of the house. And the windows are broken. And the house is just abandoned. It's forsaken. It's forgotten. There no longer seems to be any use for it. Israel had done that with God's commands. They no longer seem to have any use for God and the things that God had said and the things that God wanted. And the person leading the way in that was the king of Israel, Ahab. The people of God had turned a deaf ear to God's word. And watch this. And they lived as if they did not know God. Now listen to me, church. Have you ever seen Christians do that? Have you ever seen somebody who at one time seemed to be godly? At one time they served? At one time they they were before the church and they were giving their heart to the Lord? Have you you ever seen 
someone who claims to be a Christian, but now suddenly they're, they're living as if they don't know God. They have abandoned the Lord's commands. And they have forsaken the Lord Himself. Living as if they don't even know God. That was the problem here. And I ask myself many times, how does that happen? How does that happen that a man or a woman who knows the Lord, a man or a woman who is serving God, all of a sudden turns away from Him and forsakes Him? How does that happen? I want you to hear me carefully. Here's how it happens. Every time a believer moves away from God, it's because they have put a substitute in place of God. You see, we replace that which we no longer have with God with something from the world. You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that an idol. An idol is anything we turn to other than God. Something we have put in God's place. And the Bible says that's an idol. And it could be the idol of prosperity. It could be the idol of recreational pursuits. It could be the idol of success. It could be the idol of sex outside of marriage. It could be the idol of drugs or alcohol. But we found something that has gotten our attention. We found something that we've given ourselves to. And we've placed it in our lives in the place of God. And God's heart is grieved. And he says, you have exchanged this for me. And you know what I found many times? Many times I have found that it often takes a tragedy or a trial before we recognize we have put something in God's place. That's what happened to the people of Israel. As they turned away from God, they've turned away from God and they've turned towards Baal. And they lived like that for one year and two years and three years. The drought continued. The skies were strangely silent and dry. And God was sounding an alarm. There was no water. There was no rain. And God was sounding an alarm and all Israel heard it. But the drought was simply a problem. Watch this. Listen to this. The drought was simply a problem of a much deeper problem. A lot of people don't sometimes recognize that the problems in their lives are sometimes a symptom of a much deeper problem. Maybe the problems you're having right now are simply a symptom of a deeper problem you're ignoring. God knew that they had a great physical need for rain, but He understood they had a greater spiritual need for Him, and they, had, they needed to turn back to Him. And that's why God had Elijah call this contest on Mount Carmel. It was a time to show the people of God that the God they had bowed down to did not exist. And so we pick up the story beginning in verse 19. Elijah is speaking and he says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. You can see how prominent idol worship had become in the land of Israel with two, in two ways. First of all, I want you to notice how many prophets of the idols there were. There were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Now, Asherah was simply a wooden idol that was represented to be the wife of Baal. 
And so we had 450 prophets of, of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, not only the sheer number of these false prophets, but also, also I want you to notice where they were eating. Where were they eating according to the text? Jezebel's table. Their exalted position in the kingdom was another example of how important these false prophets had become in the land of Israel. Now, it's interesting that later when you read the story that the prophets of Asherah did not even show up, apparently, because they're not mentioned later in the text. When, when we have this great big contest between uh, Elijah and it's the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah are not even mentioned, and that's probably because they didn't show up. More than likely, Jezebel said, won't y'all just stay right here? You, let, let, come on, let, let's have some more wine. Let's have some more steak. Come on, y'all just stay right here. So Elijah addresses his message to the people of God. Listen to me. He addresses his message to the people of God who are trying to live in two worlds. And the purpose of calling the people of God to Mount Carmel was to show them that they've been trying to live in two worlds. They've been trying to serve two gods. To show them that the false god of Baal was not real. And so, look what we see in verse 21. Elijah went before the people and he said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. And if Baal is God, follow Him. Please notice this, and we'll see it again next week. Elijah was not speaking to the prophets of Baal. He was speaking to the people of God. He was not trying to turn the prophets of Baal to the Lord. He was trying to turn the people of God back to the Lord. They are the ones who knew the Lord. They are the ones who had ignored the Lord. And so Elijah is speaking to God's people. And he stood and he asked them a bold and a challenging question in verse 21. How long will you waver between two opinions? You see, most of the people of God in that day, by that time, most of them believed that God was God, but they also believed that Baal was God. They did not totally reject the God of their fathers. They did not totally reject the God of the Old Testament. They did not totally reject the God that they had known. They just thought that they could also worship Baal because that was a financial decision. Because Baal, they heard, gave them rain. And Baal, they heard, would increase their crops. And it was a financial decision. So they wanted to hold on to God with one hand and they wanted to reach out to Baal with the other. And Elijah says... That will never work. That will never work. You need to decide and choose which God is going to be God in your life. He's challenging the people to make a clear decision. Watch this. He's saying this or that. It's time to make a clear decision. You, you can't be in both worlds. Imagine somebody saying to you, oh, I, I tell you what, I'm for Trump and I'm for Biden. I like both of them. Or imagine somebody saying to you, I, I like Clemson and Carolina. And we would say, no. Make a decision. Choose one. You know what I found? See if you agree with this. I found you can't walk in two directions at the same time. I found you can't sing two songs at the same time. 
You can't live in two different places at the same time. And listen to me, church, you can't serve two gods at the same time either. Jesus even talked about this. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. It's either this or that. And I believe God has brought you here today so the Holy Spirit can say to you, it's time to make a decision. It's time to make a clear choice to decide who you're going to serve and to decide who you're going to follow. Elijah did that. Elijah placed a clear choice between the, before the people. He drew a sharp contrast between the worship of the Lord and the worship of Baal. And he wanted to eliminate any idea that they could somehow serve both. I'll tell you something. Listen to me. When you try to serve God and something else, you're not serving God. Because if if your heart is divided, if your allegiance is divided, if it's God and something else, then God can't depend on you, and God can't use you, and God can't bless you. The very first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That is the very first commandment, and the people of God had forsaken that one. And they somehow had convinced themselves, we can worship God and we can worship Baal. And I've seen it as a pastor so many times, over and over and over. I can worship God and I can do this. And Elijah asked a very good question that I want to ask you today. How long will you waver between two opinions? I'll tell you something about that word waver, the Hebrew word waver There in verse 26, or or, I'm sorry, in in verse 20, I believe it is. Uh, Verse 21, how long will you waver between two opinions? The word waver in the Hebrew literally means dance. It's the same word that's used in verse 26 where the the Baal prophets, the prophets of Baal are, are dancing around the sacrifice trying to entice Baal to do something. Elijah said, how long are you going to dance between two opinions? How long are you going to try to play it on both sides of the fence? How long are you going to dance around the issue and act like you're, you're right with God when you know you're not? How long are you going to dance and try to act like everything's okay when you know you've put a substitute in God's place and you know His name or you know her name? You put a substitute in God's place. And you know what the situation is. You know the difficulty. You know the problem. And Elijah said to the people of God, How long? How long are you going to do this? If you'd like to underline, you might want to underline that phrase that Elijah asked them. How long? Think about this. For three and a half years, not a drop of rain had fallen. And that was at the command of God. For three and a half years, the the skies were dry. Is that not proof enough that God is God? The people were starving. Their cattle were dying. Their fields were parched. And yet Elijah was having to ask the people, how long is it going to take for you to decide? It's a timely question for some of you today. How long are you going to keep two-timing God? How long are you going to act like nothing is wrong? How long are you going to keep serving God, at least publicly, and doing what you're doing that you know is wrong? 
How many more sermons do you want? How many more weeks are you going to waste? How long are you going to stay in this unhappy condition? What more is going to have to happen? How long is this going to go on? I'll say to you as your pastor, if the Lord is God, follow Him. That's what Elijah said. In other words, if you really believe that God is God, it's time to live that out in your life. If you really believe that God is God, let your conduct and your lifestyle and your priorities reflect the fact that the Lord is God. Now I want you to notice in verse 21 a very important condition in this statement. If the Lord is God. Say that with me. If the Lord is God. He did not say, if you think it will be to your advantage, then follow the Lord. He did not say, if you think it will make you happy, then follow the Lord. He did not say, if you think it will keep you out of hell, then follow the Lord. He did not say, if you think it will give you peace of mind, then follow the Lord. That's not what he said. He said, if the Lord is God and follow Him. Now, I want to be clear. I do believe it's to your advantage that you follow the Lord. But that is not the primary reason to be a follower of God. The primary reason to be a follower of Jesus is because you've become convinced that He is God. Not the God of your parents, but He's God. And, and it's not that God's been good to you or God's blessed your family. No, 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 no. It's just the fact that He is God. That's why you follow Him. So today is the day and now is the time to decide. How long will you labor between two opinions? How long will you dance around the issue? How long will you act like nothing is wrong? If the Lord is God, choose to follow Him. It's either this or that. Now, probably... Perhaps the saddest, five saddest words in the Bible are in the second part of verse 21. But the people said nothing. Every preacher in America knows what that's like. You preach your heart out, and the people say nothing. You speak the truth, and you know they need to respond, and the people say nothing. Now, the text doesn't say this. This is me speculating about the text. But the fact that they said nothing, I believe, is a sign of just how far they'd gotten away from God. They heard the man of God, Elijah, speak the word of God. And yet they said nothing. I believe that was a sign that their hearts had grown so hard and so cold. Listen to this. They weren't sure if they wanted to give up Baal. They weren't sure if they wanted to live the life Elijah was calling them to live. Listen to me, church. Those listening online, listen to me. When sin loses its sinfulness, it becomes very hard to turn away from it. Elijah placed a clear choice before the people of God, and they stood there, Looking at him. 
They just weren't sure if they wanted to give up Baal. One of the clear signs that you're not right with God is when God speaks to your life and you say or do nothing. One of the clear signs that sin has its tentacles deep in your heart is when you hear the word of God and you know you need to respond, but you say or do nothing. I'm praying you won't follow the example of these people in 1 Kings 18. I don't want to say this to you before we close. Listen to me. If Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, if He died on a cross, if He really did was resurrected from the dead, if He really is coming again, if He really is the way, the truth, and the life, then follow Him. And if not, choose you this day who you will serve, Joshua said. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray about that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to say a word to these here in the sanctuary and those watching at home. This is not the kind of message where you say, well, that, that, was, that was okay. This is a call to action. Elijah said to the people of God, choose today who you're going to serve. Choose today who's going to be on the throne of your heart. And if you have replaced God with something else, if something else has your time, if something else has your attention, if something else has your allegiance, and especially if you know that something else is wrong, that has become your idol. That has become your veil. If God is God, follow Him. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're grateful that you are Lord and you are God and there is none other. We're grateful that you and you alone are God. May we turn to you and for some of us, may we turn back to you. I pray that in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.